doing shows for my family, etc., and did lots of school plays. And then I actually studied to be a lawyer. Uh, I did a, a law degree and an arts uh, arts degree in theatre studies. But um, during my law degree, I sort of re- I was doing much more student theatre, <laughs> and I realised that yeah, I, I think I wanted to be a lawyer so I could wear wigs and capes and you know say I object. But uh, <laughs> I think I always wanted to be. <laughs> wanted to be an actor more and once I started doing uh, more student theatre I thought oh I really love this this is this feels like me and um, I actually finished my arts degree but didn't finish my law degree much to my parents uh, disappointment at the time but I began uh, very luckily starting I worked in theatre um, uh, uh, some regional theatre and then I was cast in a, a musical production of Greece. Uh, the mm-hmm. musical starring Guy Guy Pearce, who's a very wow. now very famous Australian actor who does lots of films. He was uh, Danny played Danny Zuko, the John Travolta role. I was one of the one of the T birds. So I did that for about a year or so, and uh, after that, I started to get a lot of work with the Sydney Theatre Company, who are mostly mostly perform at the Sydney Opera House. And uh, yeah, from there, it led to a really wonderful acting career. Uh, lots of film and TV as well, but but. Primarily theatre, and uh, and yeah, I've, I've I've been very very privileged to, to live the life of an actor, and it's a, a life uh, I love very much. But over the last ten years, as I've moved into directing, I've loved being able to facilitate other people uh, and uh, their great performances by directing them as well. So I've, it's been a very wonderful and, and lucky career. I feel very honoured to have uh, been part of it. Did you get to play a lawyer? So at least your parents see you like on television or on the screen as a lawyer? I have. That's a great <laughs> question. I, I have played a few lawyers, yes. I did a, I did a film uh, with David Wenham from The Lord of the Rings and, and uh, Anthony LaPaglia called The Bank, in which I played a legal aid lawyer. And then I did another film, actually, uh, with David Wenham and Sam Worthington from Avatar, um, in which I played a Greek a Greek lawyer. <laughs> so I played a couple of lawyers on film. I think I'm on, I might have played a few others too in TV TV shows. But they they were the two main lawyers. But but actually, the bank, the one uh, where I played that lawyer, was actually directed by a man who I went to school with, Robert Connolly, who's made a made some other films. And it was based upon his brother, who was a lawyer, who I actually knew. So so it's funny how the, all the circles. The circles kind of rotate, but yeah, I loved. I finally did get to be in a court and say I object <laughs> in the bank in the film. So my dream came true. Great. So that's all you really needed, right? <laughs> that's right. Then I was happy. Then I was happy after that. So. <laughs> yeah, I was like um, Lucy Lawless talking about that she wanted to be Columbo, and she she thought that maybe she should go to school for it, you know, and all those stuff. And then she realized, no, I just want to act, and because I can be Columbo that way. She's talking about her series, uh, My Life Is Murder. That yeah, I can that's play. Hilarious. I can play a cop. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. And then you get to do it all that way. And that's the great thing about acting. You get to experience so many different lives and, and stand in the shoes of so many other people. So you get to be you get to be all those things. I've been I've been a you know, a doctor, a lawyer, I've been a, you know, a millionaire, I've been <laughs> I've been a German film director, I've you know, I've done many, many things where you think, Oh, I didn't expect I didn't expect this to happen but 
But uh, yeah, lots of fun. Did you get any of those experiences where you said, "Oh yes, I can do it," and you didn't know how to do it? That like riding a horse or um, <laughs> or milking a cow yeah. or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. I had to play a, a prince in a in a musical some years ago, and uh, I had to learn how to fence, uh, sort you know, sword fight. And so I thought, oh, I never thought I'd end up doing this. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, you do get to learn a lot of new skills as an actor, which is which is great fun. I always think that's funny because it's like uh, that's one of my fun uh, uh, things that when I'm listening to actors talking. Uh, the things that they said, oh, yeah, I can do, but they didn't really know how to do it. They had to really quickly learn how to do it or they would get killed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of people who put on the, their, you know, their, on their bi- biography that they can, you know, they can horse ride or they can scuba dive or, and often they'll get the call to, all right, we've booked you to come and ride a horse. And they go, oh my God, I've never ridden a horse in my life. So they, <laughs> they have to. <laughs> They have to quickly learn how to do something. So I've seen a few a few actors come unstuck when they lie about what their skills are. So that's funny. Uh, I know. I just I th- I think it's really funny. I mean, it, listen to the, I big stars. Harrison Ford told a story about one of those, and uh, you know, it, he goes, "One thing you learn when you're an actor and you want to work regularly, you say yes." <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. You do. Yeah, you go. Yeah, I can do anything. I can do anything you need. <laughs> That's funny. Well, he was a carpenter, I think, wasn't he? Before yeah. he became an actor. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, he had to learn, learn was, a lot of things on the job as well. It was something that I can't remember what it was. I think it was actually riding a horse or something. And he said he could do it, and he couldn't. <laughs> That's so funny. But no, actually, when I when he was in that great film Witness about the Amish community, he had to like help build a house in it. Uh, and mm-hmm. I remember going, oh, it's good that he was a carpenter before he was an actor, so he actually knows how to, you know, Put it to make a house and get to put a, a hammer into a nail. So, <laughs> did you have a big smile come to your face in um, the uh, Great Crusade, um, Indiana Jones and the Great Crusade, when he says, "Now that's the cup of a carpenter." <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. Actually, it opened, the new film opens here today. That is actually one of that whole series. I love Indiana Jones, so I, I might even go and see that movie tonight, the new one. So I'm very keen to see. Oh, you got it. What happens? Indiana. You're yeah. getting it before we do. Or it doesn't open here till the thirtieth, so you're lucky. <laughs> oh, we get it tonight, I think. So yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna skive off work early to go and see it. Yeah, tonight, so. I, I'm a huge, and it's the last one. He said, absolutely. You know, I'm 80 years old. It's That's the it. last one, so we That's all have right. to enjoy it. <laughs> That's it. I love I love those films. I love the last one too, which. Um, uh, which is my uh, Kate Blanchett, who's a friend of mine, who I acted with when I was in my twenties. She 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 was the evil villain in the last one, mm-hmm. so which was about fifteen ten fifteen years ago, I think. So I'm keen to see what's happened to Indiana in the in the in the interim. <laughs> yeah, they he's it's going to be about time travel according to the the you know the trailer and stuff. Oh right, right, great. I look forward. So yeah, he's a a big inspiration for me, Harrison Ford. I love I love his work. So and when you're young, you have those actors and those key kind of um, pieces of theatre or film that you love and that inspire you to keep going. And certainly he was he was a big big inspiration for me. So well well picked. Thank you. And also, it was also a crush of mine, so it was an easy pick. Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, and I don't know many women who don't like Harrison Ford. Uh, let's put it that way. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I just. Also, he's a great actor. I mean, he truly is a great actor. That's and right. he, he, you know, he may this might be the last indie, but it's not the last movie. He's he's he did uh, 1923, and he's doing another movie outside of indie. I mean, the man is a dynamo. He's, you know. Yeah. It's just I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. the physical activity that you have to do to be an action hero that he's like, okay, I'm 80. This is That's enough. Right. <laughs> It's funny, actually. I was actually talking about him um, the other week because I was reading this book. It's called Actors on Acting, and I was sharing with some students I teach. Cause sometimes with my job here at State Theatre Company, South Australia, I have to teach uh, tertiary drama students. And he did say a thing. He said, you know, acting is about attrition. Like many people fall off the wa- the wagon because they just don't stick at it. And he said, if you can, if you can kind of continue to work as an actor and be paid for your work and be paid enough to live your life. You've made it. No, no matter if you're a you know a huge Hollywood star or if you're working in a regional theatre or working in for for youth theatre. If you can be make a living out of being um, continually paid to be an actor or a or a performing artist, you've made it. And I thought that was such a great quote because uh, you know it, that's that's true. Like I think if you can if you can Im- hang in there. Very important too, because you know a lot of people think mm. that the only pathway for an actor is either to be a Broadway star, or a movie star, or TV star, and that's it. If you're not one of those, you do that's not right. make it. And 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 that he said that, which I also agree with completely. I think that is an inspiration to those kids that you're teaching. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, good man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great man. Yeah. Um, now, when you began uh, directing, um, was, how did that come about? Was it an accident, or was it something you were you're, you had your sights on, or how did how did you begin? I mean, I I know a lot of actors who transitioned into writing, and I know some actors who transitioned into directing. But directing is harder because it's harder to get your card. So that's why I'm curious. Mm, yeah, for me. Um, I've, I've been because I've worked with so many great directors, and you pick up so many of their skills, and you think, oh, I wanna, I'd love to one day to do a bit of that. But also, I've worked with a few bad directors as well, and you go, oh, I could do better than that. I think I, I, this person's running a room very badly, or they don't. <laughs> so you get to a point where you go, I think I could do, do, do this. And then I actually, uh, my first proper, I directed lots of uh, student theatre, but uh, my first proper directing job, I was. Um, it was a musical called Violet by Janine Tesori, uh, who's just written Kimberly Akimbo, which just won the Tony Award for Best Musical a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it came about because uh, I'd been do- I'd been acting in a musical. A funny thing happened on the way to the forum uh, with Jeffrey Rush and um, some other great Australian actors in Melbourne. Oh yeah. And there was a young one of the girl. Uh, yeah, one of the, the young performers in it, one of the courtesans, a lovely actress called Samila. Uh, um, Samantha Dodermaid, who is now in Moulin Rouge in Australia, she had got the rights to do Violet, this beautiful, beautiful musical, and she said, I, I think you'd be a great director for this, and um, she suggested me to the producers, and it all happened, and uh, it was only in a, quite a small theatre, like a 200-seat theatre, it, but it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful musical about a kind of road movie from about a woman from... 
uh, Carolina is kind of going in search of a healer because she's been um, has an injury that she wants to have healed. And on the way, she kind of meets and falls in love with with uh, with an uh, African American soldier. So yeah, so that was the first thing I directed, and uh, it went, you know, luckily it went very well. And from there, I actually got offered Porgy and Bess and and a lot a few other musicals. And uh, after that, I started to get offered um, some plays to direct. But it, yeah, it was it was only because she took a punt on me and went, oh, I you know I think you'd do this well, and and the producers also took a risk on me, that that my directing career began. So often. You, you you know you have to be very grateful to for people to who kind of go you know come this way we think you can do it so I was very very lucky and um, yes I've loved I've loved directing ever since so it's been good. I think that it's really interesting because I think pathways that people take is not only fascinating but it's also inspirational to other people because mm. you never know it. it you know, keep your options over, open, but also you just be nice. Be a good person. <laughs> That's right. Because uh, it's funny, like, I think these days too, like, you know, people who have diva tantrums or, you know, ego fits, uh, the, the kind of appetite for that is much reduced now. And, and I think, you know, in, 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 in light of the Me Too movement and, you know, other things uh, kind of concerned about diversity and, representation when when you have bad behavior in a rehearsal room or on a film and tv set people just don't stand for it anymore so people are and you know people are fired people get cancelled people um so so i actually think being nice and being kind is not only a good thing to do but it's becoming like a a prerequisite for for working in the arts and i think that's a really good thing because it means your work work has been created from a place of kindness and a place of warmth and a place of support rather than a place of control and domination and and um and you know bullying so yeah i think you know we've gone gone through a lot in the last few years with with me too and with covid and but i think we've the world has many problems but we come out of it and go you know the way forward is is one that needs to be led by kindness so yeah, so, yeah, I can see that happening in the arts now, so, which is good. It, and I, another question I have, you, you brought up COVID. Um, in the U.S., they're, they're just recovering uh, in the theater mm. from COVID. It has, has it been a slow recovery for uh, you guys in Australia? It has, yeah. I, 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 the U.S. has been so hard. You know, I was actually reading on the Playbill website this morning that, you know, uh, BAM, the Brooklyn Academy of Music, is reducing its staff. There's, I think, it's called a group in LA called the Center, the Center Group Theater, and many theater companies are still not back to full operations yet, or, or they're reducing staff, or they're taking a year off. And this is, you know, a couple of years after COVID. But for in Australia, we were like New York was terrible. Like what happened in the theater scene on Broadway that was shut for, you know, more than a year almost. But in um, in Melbourne was the worst uh, hit city in Australia, which I think they had, they were in lockdown for I think 263 days. In Adelaide, here where I where I live, we we were locked down for about six weeks or so. And then when we returned to the theatre, we we were actually the first theatre company in Australia 
to return to the main stage after COVID. So we did a production of Gaslight, that wonderful um, uh, play. But we had to do it with uh, only 50% audiences. There had to be seats between each audience member. They had, everybody had to wear masks. It was a very strange time, but, but we've been reasonably uh, and, and relatively lucky in Adelaide that we could return to the theatre uh, quite, quite early. I think we, that we did that in August, no, September 2020. So, so we were quite lucky. But yeah, you can, I, and I know for a couple of years afterwards, people were still a bit reticent to return to the theatre, particularly older theatre audience members who were, you know, who were more at risk of um, uh, serious complications if they did have COVID. So yeah, it's taken a while. We, we feel now that we're kind of back to where we were uh, in terms of our audience numbers, but certainly it's been very, very traumatic for the whole world, but particularly for the, the theatre industry. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and people, and it's something that they made really clear um, before they came back, they had a, um, they had a sort of a, a, a Tony celebration, but without Tony Awards because the plays were all stopped. But one of the things they said is that the people that sell you candy and sell you tickets and clean up the stage and clean up the theater, these are part of us. And they're, right. they were as badly affected as the actors, directors, writers, producers, everybody else. So he go, she, they, they were saying, you know, we're a family. And uh, I, I just wondered how you feel about that and I think it's great but how you feel about that and um, yes. do you feel that way where you are totally totally like and that was so hard for people like as you say the ushers the ticket sellers you know the people selling the drinks they lost all their work mm-hmm. you know and so I, I was very lucky because you know I, I work for a theatre company and we, we kind of pivoted and started making digital digital theater that we could put online uh, but but for those who depend on the physical operation of theater that you know and I come from I'm the, the son of a, of a cleaner a contract cleaner and so you know you'd see like if there's no one in the theater there's nothing to clean right. there's no drinks to sell mm-hmm. and those people lose their jobs and you're so right sherry that that the whole theater ecosystem is built of the actor the writer director but also the people you know, behind stage, pulling the pulling the fly 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 ropes, the people, the stage managers, but also the people out the front selling tickets and selling drinks and cleaning up. So, very very difficult time for those people. And now we know too, like a lot of people who um, who help build. Uh, we've got a great workshop. We build all our sets, but um, lots of ca- people who work casually who build sets or who are backstage technicians. A lot of them got out of the industry because they went, you know what, this is too hard. And so, say some people who would casually make uh, sets and costumes, they 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 went and became carpenters or started building houses or they started working for um, fashion houses or something to make costumes because they ju- there just wasn't the work within the theatre anymore. And so now, what we're finding is it's quite hard to sometimes get backstage crew because they've moved on, like they've moved on to other industries because they went, oh, you know what, I can't I can't put food on the table, I can't, you know, put my kids through school. So uh, it, it's, it's 
we're still feeling those those impacts now and uh, from COVID. So, uh, so yeah, it's still I think that the, the kind of tentacles of COVID will remain with us for quite some time. Yeah, I mean the thing is, when it's, all industries have been affected, like you know, and all parts mm. of the industry, like you were talking about. Center Theater Group was when you were talking about that. That be when we were in the green room, and I was telling you the story about when I was mm. working as a travel agent. I was booking actors, and I got tickets. That's the that was the theater company I worked for. Um, yeah. That's the music center. That's where it, they had the Phantom of the Opera in Los Angeles and Les Mis and um, all these uh, plays. Um, QB Seven with um, Alan Alda and all. Uh, just really great plays. Not QB yeah. seven, it was QB something else. Um, it was about it was it was about a scientist who was one of the people who figured out what happened with a Challenger accident. I can't remember his name. Oh wow. It was a okay. really good play. Yeah. One man show. Well he, there was two other actors but they they were basically support. Um and they were wonderful but um yeah that was one I I, I love Alan Alda and yeah, he, he gave such a great performance. Um, yes, and I was able to take my. Uh, we were only supposed to get two tickets, and I begged for a third ticket because it was my mom's birthday, and she wouldn't go oh, without wow. my dad. <laughs> so she gave yeah. me one more ticket, but the ticket was behind us. So I was going to let my mom and dad sit next to each other, and and I'll sit behind. But my dad goes, No, no, you girls sit together, and I'll sit behind. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's a great Alan Alda, great actor. I loved him in The West Wing too, like which is one of my all-time favorite shows. An amazing, an amazing actor. I'm glad you like him. Oh, well. I love him. I, I that's the second yeah. play. I also saw him in Neil Simon's Jake's Women on. Um, oh wow! Yeah, yes. yeah, that yeah. was at yeah. the Pantages in L. A. Um, yeah, wow. And How great. Yeah, he's he's. He people don't really realize. Not only is he a great TV and movie actor, he's a great theater actor. <laughs> right? Yes, I've seen him on stage. But yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, you just reminded I actually, me. I actually, um, I actually watched a lot of The West Wing during COVID. When when we I rewatched it. So uh, you know, you during COVID, you know, people did turn back to the television for a while and go. You know, what are your favorite shows? And The West Wing was one of them for me. So there you go. Uh, no, I was watching a lot of Agatha Christie. It's like a comfort yeah, wow. thing. You watch what makes you feel better because everything was that's right. insane. Um, uh, uh. I th- at least that's what I think. Um, that yeah. you know, I was, and I was watching the old Agatha Christie. I was watching David Suchet and Joan Hickson and the older shows, not the newer adaptations. Yeah. The stuff I grew up yeah, with. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? uh, <laughs> actually, it's funny because we, uh, we were talking before about Nathan Page, uh, who I've been very lucky to work with a few times. And, of course, Nathan was in, um, I guess, the Australian Agatha Christie, which is Miss Fisher's murder mystery, mm-hmm. which is uh, very similar to, the, to, that, to that form. And uh, that's been a... Actually, I know a lot of people re-watched that during COVID as mm-hmm. well, and they, they, I think they made a film that came out just uh, uh, after COVID, also, so, so uh, yeah, so, so very, very similar, similar things there. And he's that's Nathan is someone I've had a, a great pleasure to work with uh, uh, many times in my career. He's a wonderful, wonderful performer. He's based, he's based here in Adelaide uh, as well, and works for, has worked for our company quite a bit. And we've done a few movies together, also. Uh, wonderful, wonderful performer. 
Yeah, he's a really, I've, I met him once in person. He's a really nice man. Really, really oh, nice. Oh, he's great. Um, yeah. They actually went during COVID, actually one of, there was another lockdown, um, we, we did a play, a David Lindsay Abair play called Ripcord, uh, and actually David wrote the book of Kimberly Akimbo, which just won the Tony Award, and Nathan uh, uh, played various roles in that. It's a very a wonderful comedy about two women in a uh, retirement village who kind of hate each other <laughs> and, and kind of, you know, try to bring each other down, but Nathan played the son of one of them and also some other funny roles. But during that show, actually, there was another COVID code outbreak here and in a 500 seat theatre we were only allowed to play to 75 people so the 75 people had to be spaced out one every three metres in the theatre so it was still still, the show did really well and Nathan was extraordinary but it was so funny because it was so spaced out I had to go out to the audience every night and go ladies and gentlemen welcome I know there's only 75 of you but pretend that it's a full theatre whoever laughs the loudest gets a bottle of wine at the end of it (laughs) and uh, that was great and then Nathan actually has also just done another play I directed here in Adelaide which went to Sydney called The Goat or Who is Sylvia that it would all be play um, in which he was uh, astonishing like a powerhouse performance so a wonderful a wonderful performer and, and a wonderful human being I um I saw the goat when it was coming for tryouts in Los Angeles, but it's a really weird way yeah. we went to see it. My mom's uh, relatives were going to give a birthday party, a surprise party for her brother, on her birthday, and my mom yeah, was right. like uh, not consulting her before or anything they just said you'll be coming right and and my mom goes no I'm not I'm going to a play with my family we didn't have plans um so so my dad pulled up the paper and he says look how it's just like kismet there's the goat is playing on Uh. your birthday at one of the big theaters would you like to go and mom goes okay call the kids and so my dad called me and my brother, and we both said, sure, Edward Albee, of course. Um, and so that's how we went to see <laughs> Oh, my God. How old were you when you saw that? Uh, a long time ago. I guess I was in my <laughs> mid-20s. Oh, that's good. I guess I was going to say it's not really a play for teenagers. Oh, no, 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 no. My mom and dad always called us the kids, you know. I mean, uh, I, I was we, we were in our good. 40s, and, my I mean, my mom would call that's us the right. kids. That's just the way they talked. We weren't little. It's a, a play about a man who falls in love with a goat. Yes, so I know. A, I, a, I, a crazy, crazy play. The line I remember is, those eyes, those eyes. <laughs> Those eyes, that's right, you remember. I do, I do. I mean, if you see the play, you cannot forget that line. (laughs) That's so funny that you remember that. I love that you remember that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's just, and then uh, when my dad and I went back to work, because we worked at the same company in different departments, I said, "Um, what do we say? Because there were a lot of really conservative people in our office. And my dad says, well, just say it's about a goat. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> How great. I yeah, because, you know, they wouldn't have liked to, you know, they were very conservative. They may not have liked it. 
So, yeah, but it was it was such a <laughs> magnificent because you laugh so hard and then you get to a point where you're crying so hard. I mean, he rips through your emotions in that play. He really does. He really, he's a great writer. We also did uh, a First Nation version of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf by him the previous year. And I, I'd love to do more Edward Albee work because I think he's such a, uh, you know, sadly gone now, but was such an incredible writer with who kind of uh, explored the human condition, you know, and in a really funny but often devastating way. And that, that's another one, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? That's a roller coaster ride of emotion, too. Mm. Um, people don't Certainly. know that when you first go into, even when they saw the movie, people didn't realize that because all they basically showed were the funny scenes, they didn't, sh- or the fighting scenes, and they didn't show the devastating scenes. So they didn't That's realize right. it's going to rip your heart out. <laughs> That's it. <fair. laughs> yeah, wonderful, wonderful writer. Uh, yeah, uh, I love that. That's him. a great thing about theater. We, we get to experience so many great plays and so many, the work of so many great writers. And here at our company, we do a mix of uh, international plays like Edward Albee and but lots of Australian works and lots of South Australian works too. So we, we try to have a, a big mix of, of lots of, of, of uh, plays, but but always we look for the best writing because if you if you don't have good writing, you can't you can't have good theatre. So yeah. good writing very very important at the end of the day. Do you? Um, what was the name of it? That it won a Tony. The it was an Australian writer and uh, oh, an English face, girl. What was it? Prima Facie. That's it. That's it. Yes. Oh, my God. So Jodie Comer won Best Actress. We actually just did a a new production of it ourselves here a couple of months ago at State Theatre Company. We we did it with an Australian actress called Caroline Craig. It's an incredible piece about um, uh, sexual assault and consent, and it's about a lawyer who's a a criminal defence lawyer uh, who normally defends men who've been charged with sexual assault, but the tables are turned on her when she's assaulted by uh, by a work colleague and suddenly she becomes a witness and has to go through the whole court system. It's an incredible play. I think they're making a movie of, movie of it now at the moment as well. Um, Is she going to be in it? Is Joni going to be in it? No, I think I think another actress, Cynthia Erivo, who did Colour Purple on Broadway, I think oh. she's playing, playing the role now. But uh, yeah, but it's incredible. That that play began in a seventy-seat theatre in Sydney, a place called the Griffin Theatre, and then has toured all around with the original actress Sheridan Harbridge. Toured all around Australia, but we did a we did a new production, and now big success, London, Broadway, the Tony Award, and now to a film. So you think how wonderful that something you know from Australia um, and a really small theatre will now be this. And now is this international hit, which is which is great. I mean, you guys have a lot of very talented people. I mean, um, <laughs> a lot of Australians are favorite actors of mine. So uh, it's not like you're lacking in in talent, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're pretty yeah pro rata. I think we 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 punch above our weight. I think there's lots of so many wonderful performers here, many who have gone on to great international careers, uh, but many, many who've, you know, stayed in Australia and, and done wonderful work here. So, yeah, we're, it's, a, it's a 
very very lucky place to have so much so much talent here and and because uh, I grew up in Sydney actually and um, certainly that's a big big kind of uh, theatre and film town as well so so I've been very fortunate to work with many great great Australian actors over over my years which has been very lucky. I saw Hugh Jackman in Oklahoma when he when it went on tour. Oh wow, yeah, wonderful Australian performer. So yeah, and I've I've seen a recording of that version of Oklahoma. I wish I'd seen it live. What a what a great performer! Oh, he, he was wonderful, I thought, and I loved him when he yeah. hosted the Tony Awards. He was just electric on that stage. I wish he would do Very it again. Very funny, wasn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But um, I actually saw I actually saw him live at the Tony Awards. I went to the Tony Awards one did? year. My friend, Australian actress called Essie Davis, was nominated for Best Actress for a play called Jumpers, and uh, she said, "Oh, do you want to come with my date to the Tonys?" I went, "Yes, please." And uh, Hugh Jackman was the host that year. It was the year that Wicked and Avenue Q and uh, all those musicals were in there. But Hugh was a Marvelous host. Oh, he was so, so funny. funny. And charismatic. Was was that the year uh, that he pulled Anne Hathaway out of her seat and did a whole dance number with her? I think that was a day he did that a different year, oh. but uh, that was a great moment, a great moment in, in Tony Award history as well. I just wanted, if you were there, if everybody was shocked that you know here she is just sitting it, in the yeah. audience and they pulled her out, and I was like, I was yeah. wondering what the audience reaction was. <laughs> That's great. I love I love when people like a couple of years ago when James Corden got Billy Porter up to sing um sing, you know, something from Gypsy, didn't know it was happening. I love the I love those moments when something random and unexpected happens at the Tony. That's great. I know. It was great. Um but you know, like Australian actors are are in a lot of things. Like uh, Rod Taylor, who I didn't know was Australian, and so oh, Mitch later, um, uh, and that was because he mentioned it um, in an That's interview, funny. and this was when he was old, and I had been a fan of his since I was a little girl, and I saw Time Machine when I was like six, um, yeah. you know, and that, and, and I didn't so know he was funny. Australian. He's <laughs> That is so funny you bring him up, Sherry, because I'm actually named after a film that Rod Taylor was in. So I, I'm named after Rod Taylor in The Birds. Oh, so really? That, that, yeah, <laughs> so he did, he did that Hitchcock movie, The Birds, uh-huh. with Tippi Hendren. Uh-huh. So he was, his character was called Mitch, and Tippi Hendren was called Melanie. And my mother was eight months pregnant with me, and my, my father's name is Aubert, which is a French name, and he wanted to call me Aubert as well. And um, my mum was like, no, I don't want that name. And she was watching the birds on television, and she didn't know if I was a girl or a boy. And she said, uh, "I think Mitch and Melanie—they're both good names. If we have a boy, I'm going to call him Mitch after after Rod Taylor in the birds." So that's very spooky that you brought him up because I'm actually named after him. So I love that. <laughs> I love that. You know, it really annoys me when people talk about the birds. I love to be Hendren, but they were equal mm. partners in that movie. And he's never yes. mentioned. Never. They that's, always talk about Tippi Hendren. It's not fair because he did a great job. She, but she got attacked so viciously by the birds in that final scene. And I think that's the scene that everybody remembers. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Maybe. But it's, it's, it's they just put a, all the birds, the birds seed in her hair, and you know Hitchcock let the birds attack. Like they attacked her for real. I know. It was awful. Terrible. It's yeah. awful. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but no, I just thought it's unfair that they never mention him in any discussion when it, the movie comes up. The only one person who mentioned him was Tippy in a thing on, on, on Turner Classic Movies, which is a movie channel uh, in the U.S. Um, they yeah. have a festival every year, and they have all these people that come. And she was, t- and it was like the anniversary of the birds, and Rod was sick, so he couldn't go. But she mentioned him, and she wished him well um, from L.A. to him. In um, I think he was, Aww. I think he was in Australia then. He he had moved back home. And wow. Yeah. Um, but but nobody ever mentioned him, and I I thought I'm glad you got named after the character. At least somebody thought of him. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I, he lives on through me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that he to me is up there with Harrison Ford. He's a great actor. He's gorgeous. Uh, you know. uh, yeah, and, and and kind of interesting portrayals of masculinity. And yeah, I agree with you. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful actor. I, and yeah. all different kinds of things too. I mean, he was so he was wonderful in the action and adventures, but he was even better in the comedies. Yeah, because it was so. I must watch, rewatch the Time Machine. Actually, I remember watching it as a, as a child. It's quite scary, from what I can remember. So uh-huh. I have to, I have to revisit that one. He's very good, and it's one of my favorite. Well, also, it was one of the first movies I ever saw. Yeah, the parts about the Morlocks scared me. I was about twelve when I, I saw it. Uh, that part that did scare me. But uh, <laughs> and, and the part too. where the uh, I, I don't want to give spoilers, but there's a part in it that a uh, girl's in danger. That scares me too. Um, yeah, <laughs> but but the, I'll need, need to watch. But it's a great movie, and um, it's actually I just reread uh, the Time Machine, the book, and as much as I love the book, and I do, there's some parts of it that is better because the character of um, George in the movie is much more developed in in the movie than it is in the book. So you actually have more feelings for him going through what he was going through in the movie than when you're reading the book. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, yeah. It's, that's interesting. I, I was actually looking the other day at... Because um, Jules Verne wrote The Time Machine, didn't he, I think? So no, it was H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells. Who's? H.G. Oh, Wells. H.G. Wells. Sorry, that's right. Of course, of course it is, yeah. But those clothes kind of... I was actually... Those classic works like that, classic works of literature... Because often as a theatre maker, you go, hmm, what could you adapt into a play? And I was, I was um, looking at works like The Time Machine and, you know, uh, Journey to the Centre of the Earth and etc. I was like, so sometimes, you know, it's good to re look at literature to see if it can become theatre work. So who knows? Maybe I'll be inspired to make The Time Machine. I think The Time Machine would be a great play. It would be a great mm, place. You be, should do it. <laughs> could be good. There you go. Start it here on Sherry's podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> it really is. A, it's such a great. It 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 it, it reaches so many different levels. And it, you know, yeah. and, and um, it's funny because we. I was talking to a friend about it because I was finished. I finished it. And he said, so how was your reread? And I go, it was really good. I just didn't realize how much socialism that H.G. Wells put into it. And oh, I go, interesting. And he said, really? I go, yeah, it was kind of cool mm-hmm. when I was reading it. And I was really, oh, so okay, so that's what that means. Because 
I hadn't read it since I was a kid. Well, not a kid. I was in my twenties the last time I read it, and it's like, uh-huh. and I was like, I didn't realize it. But when you reread it as a mature person, you can see that uh-huh. basically he was blasting industrialization. Wow. And, yeah, and yeah. the the war mentality and the um, and the thing about um, weaponry and that uh, inventors were only supposed to be doing pragmatic things for war because they were in the Boer War at the time that the book is set uh, mm. and the movie. Um, so I think I, I think actually Guy Pearce did, did a remake of the did. Time Machine, mm-hmm. the film. So there you go, two Australians, two Australians, two Australians, to whom I have a connection, both involved in the time machine. That means I have to be. You have to do it now, Mitchell. To have a connection, you have to, it has to happen. It's just got to happen. <laughs> That's all there is to it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, we're we're coming to uh, the end. So I um, do you have um, I have an international audience, and I have a great many Australian fans, especially because they love Nathan and your theater. Oh, um, wonderful. Be- what plays are coming up? What do you want people to know? Oh, we, yeah, we have some great things coming up. We, uh, I'm about to start rehearsals for a play called Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill, which is about the life and music of Billie Holiday, which one uh, Audrey McDonald did it on, in New York some years ago. So we have a great Australian actress called Zara Newman doing that. And uh, later this year we're adapting... Um, Actually, fans of Miss Fisher like, might like this too. We're doing a play called The Dictionary of Lost Words, uh, which is about the beginning of the Oxford Dictionary and a young woman whose dad was one of the lexicographers, and she there were discarded words. It was adapted from a novel, which has been a huge hit um, in Australia, and I think in a, in New York it was on Reese Witherspoon's in her book club. But she basically starts making a whole new dictionary of female words, words that have been discarded from the, the male Oxford Dictionary. And that's a beautiful, beautiful novel that actually Nathan was part of its uh, development. And what, that's that's our big kind of show for the second half of the year. And, What's uh, the name of it? Welcome. What was the name of it? The, diction, the, the Dictionary of Lost Words. Oh, um, cool I'm, I'm sure it'll be turned turn into a movie in the next few years as well. And uh, we're also doing a, a wonderful new musical about motherhood and pregnancy called Welcome to Your New Life, based on a, another South Australian writer's um, novel. That's really great too. And and uh, so yeah, some some wonderful things. And and uh, at the moment we're planning for our 2024 season. And uh, hopefully I'll get some some more opportunities for Nathan to come back and do some, some great acting for us. But yeah, those, so they're, they're the big things that we're working on at the moment. So it's a really, really exciting time for us, and uh, and we we tour a lot around the country too. We haven't we haven't been overseas for for a little while with the company because of COVID, but hopefully we can uh, we can get some shows overseas, maybe even to San Diego in the future. Who knows? That'd be cool. The, uh, That'd be cool. The future is bright. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is your website and your social media so people can check out your yeah. your your theater and oh. also say hi to you? <laughs> great. That'd be great. Our website is uh, au. And uh, we're on Instagram and social media, um, uh, Facebook under State Theatre Company South Australia, and I think on uh, Instagram and Twitter we're on State Theatre SA. 
So if anyone wants to follow us, please please do so. We can keep, keep you up to date with everything we're doing. And uh, who knows? Maybe you want to come for visit visit to Australia, to Adelaide, to see some shows sometime. Okay. Um, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to chat with me. My pleasure. Lovely to talk to you, Sherry. And I'm going to go and read the time machine right now. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I influenced you for something classic. <laughs> That's great. Indeed. Indeed. Thank you. Um, thank Thanks you very so much. much. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. Thank you.